0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to the Umrepreneur Live Podcast, where I interview Muslim entrepreneurs that are creating amazing things, that are change makers, and really bringing them here to share their experience, their knowledge, and their expertise with each and every one of you. And today I have with me uh, a very amazing guest, Brother Mudasar Ahmad. Brother, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome to the Umrepreneur Live Podcast.
1: Walaikumsalam. Walaikumsalam. Thank
0: you so much for having me. It's a it's a pleasure and honor to have you, brother. And just to kind of let our guests know a little bit more about you. So uh, Brother Mudassar Ahmad, he's the founder of Imam Connect. And this is an innovative platform that is disrupting the way that Muslim service providers connect with Muslims across the Ummah to provide their services. Uh, so Muslims can actually go on there and connect with uh, Muslim relationship coaches, Muslim imams, Muslim counselors from uh, all across a various a variety of different backgrounds to be able to essentially receive services online wherever they are. And not only that, but Mudassar Ahmed um, has also uh, in terms of experience, he leads Uni- Unitas Communications, I hope I'm saying that right, um, which is a strategic communications firm where he has led projects for the UN, the United Nations, Friends of the Earth, the US Department of State, Amnesty International, and the NFL, uh, among many other global clients, mashallah. So, uh, I mean, really, there there is no intro that is needed uh, for you, brother, mashallah. You definitely are uh, an overachiever, and I'm excited to dive into that today and just, you know really shed a light on not only your experience with the Imam Connect, but your experience in general with everything that you're doing with your business, with your career. uh, And maybe, you know, even some of the values that you've been able to incorporate in your life that have allowed you to continue to raise the bar and to continue to seek, you know, more accomplishment and to seek to contribute to the uh, Ummah and to society in an impactful way. Inshallah.
1: Well, thank, thank you so much uh, for having me. Um, I've heard a lot of very good things about your, your podcast, and it's an honor to be here. Um, I um, have been an entrepreneur now for almost 15 years, and I decided that it was being an entrepreneur was a very essential part of my journey as a British Muslim growing up in London. Um, for me, it was very important to uh, create value, um, you know, within the community and to create products and services that benefit the community. And it's something that I like to think has been an integral part of my journey for the past 15 years. Even my, my main business that I started, Unitas Communications, mm. was about representing, um, you know, Muslim clients initially and telling their stories better. And of course, it's grown to be a lot bigger than that. But it was about intercultural communications. I, I grew up at a time where communication between the Islamic world and the Western world was at an all-time low. We needed more communications professionals to tell that story, and that's why I started my company, Unitas Communications, and it's grown into a lot, a lot bigger than that. Um, and but over the years, we work with a number of Muslim, you know, organisations, governments, Muslim communities around the world to tell their story better and to break down barriers. And that was very, very important to me, and still has been something that has remained important to me in my life. Um, Along the line, I've also got involved in in several other businesses and set up several initiatives to connect Muslims. I'm also the founder of something called the Concordia Forum, which is a transatlantic network that brings together senior media, political, corporate Muslims. It's a bit like the Davos of the Muslim world, and there's nothing quite like it. It's been running for about 12 years, and it's it's very, very high profile. But it brings a number of Muslim leaders together in order to them. In order for them to build trust, to build, uh, you know, avenues to work together, uh, collaborate, uh, and most importantly, also have strategic dialogue, a space where people can connect and do things. And it's for not. I mean, I don't want to talk today about the Concordia Forum, but it is absolutely amazing the kind of collaborations, investments and money that has changed hands within this network across the transatlantic bond.
0: Um, But today,
1: uh, I want to talk about something that I, you know, obviously started a year ago, which you mentioned in your intro, which is uh, Imam Connect. Now, Imam Connects, essentially during the pandemic, I was sitting at home and the mosques were shut and it was very difficult to access religious services, right? Like, Mm -hmm. where do you go when the mosques are shut and if you need religious services? Mm -hmm. And I I realized that these days you can get everything you need on your phone. There's literally an app for everything um, and you're able to, to connect with any type of service provider that you might need from ordering food to taxis, to massages, to all sorts of fitness trainers, to all sorts of things. And it occurred to me that why don't we have a platform like this that enables Muslims to connect to religious service providers, um, particularly at a time when mosques are shut. Um, So that got me thinking, and uh, I started doing some research, looking into the, um, you know, how imams in the UK in particular operate. And actually some of the things I found were quite shocking. You know, imams are not paid very well. Um, they're paid ridiculously low amounts of money. Uh, they're not treated very well. Some Many have to supplement their incomes with side jobs. Um, and then on the flip side, there are many imams that are not super qualified. Um, the ones, you know, and, and that, that they don't have the professional support that they need and they're not valued, some of them are not valued Community. So there were these kind of twin problems. One is that there is a lack of um, high quality imams coming, and the second is that there is a lack of that there is a serious deficit in in what they're earning, so that we're not attracting quality people. Um, so I thought, well, why not create a platform that helps the imams to market their services, but also pays them a fair wage and and lifts the bar in terms of the quality of imams that we attract. So I thought, well, look. Why don't I set up uh, an app, an internet platform that connects imams to people that need their services? A bit like a virtual mosque. Essentially, it's what a mosque does, right? So, um, so that so that's how uh, Imam Connect started.
0: That's amazing, mashallah. And i really I'm happy that you're sharing this story with us today, because uh, this platform that you've built, as you mentioned, it really comes from a very strong need, and I think. For us, as a community, as an ummah, we do have a lot of gaps that need to be filled. And this is one of those gaps that definitely needs to be filled. And I'm happy to see that. And to be honest, I actually didn't know about Imam Connect uh, until recently. Uh, I listened to a podcast that you were on. Um, I'm forgetting the uh, the name right now, SubhanAllah, but I, I wish I, I did remember to give them a shout out. But you, you appeared as a guest on another podcast. I, I listened to the whole episode. And you were talking about Imam Connect and you were talking about this journey that you went through to build this. Uh, also during a period which was the pandemic, right, people needed the service and they couldn't really go out, they couldn't go in person to mosque to get the service and to get those benefits. And you, it really makes you realize, you know, these services are available, you know, for non-Muslims, they are available for other communities, but not for our community. And it's really beautiful to see, you know, brothers like yourself leading the charge on this. And you know, when you think of developing a platform like this, it is a colossal initiative where not only do you need to build the actual technology behind the platform, but you then also need to get the users on the platform and these service providers on the platform as well. And one question that I really couldn't wait to ask you was for yourself, how did you go about not only, you know, building the technology part, but then also going to attract those users, those Muslims who will, use those services and the service providers and tell them, Hey, we have a platform now. I know it's not what you're used to. I know it's online versus in person, you know, but I, we want you to go on this and we want you to provide your services. What was that like?
1: Well, the service provider piece was, uh, you know, initially started off with reaching out to people that I know and trust and have worked with over the years in the community. You know, I think it was very important for people to know who's behind this, who's, what's, what's this person's intention? Are they sectarian? Do they have an agenda? And Alhamdulillah, given my personal background and, and long history in the Muslim community, I was able to persuade people that we don't have a sectarian agenda and that we're not here to do anything else other than help the imams and the service users. So that was very important initially. And then beyond that, of course, um, I think the key part for the service providers was that they're making more money now. Many of them are making more money now than they have ever made. You know, and this is really important because we have to pay our imams, our counsellors, our hakeems well. Right, we have to make sure that they are treated well, so that the more talent is attracted into that industry. Um, so that was very important in persuading them, because the numbers speak for themselves. Right, if someone is earning, you know, twelve thousand dollars a year being an imam, right, and hardly supplementing that income, whereas, you know, they can earn that much almost in a month or two on our platform if they market themselves well, uh, and they're providing, they're helping more people, their message is reaching out. You know they're they're making the world a better place and they're serving your mum right so that was an important selling point i think beyond that of course um uh, during the pandemic there was a natural need um for imams to find alternative ways to reach out to practitioners we have you know in our community we have a lot of online platforms like talks you know seminars and there's so much of this but where do you go if you actually need an imam right you know like how do you get an imam? in terms of the users we found that there, were, there's a, there was a dire need for Muslim counseling, religious counseling, and in particular, marriage counseling. Right, Massive demand. People didn't know where to go. Traditional counseling wasn't working. And the other big thing we found was that there is um, a growing, you know, if you like, you know, Muslim consumer base in the UK and the US, who, for whatever reason, are not regular mosque scholars. And this is a really interesting challenge, right? So, for instance, I think the last research showed that only 12% of British Muslims go to a mosque regularly, which means for Jummah, right, like, you know, so there's 88% Muslims out there that are not connected to their local mosque and whatever, or, or don't go that often, right? So what do these people do? when they need an imam because you know what there are times in your life where you might not be so practicing you might not but you might you might need an imam for a birth or a death or a marriage or whatever so how do you you know connect back to that service so i thought to myself we need to build something for those people so that they can feel included in the community because i don't want to get into this whole debate about mosques and how effective they are but i think a lot of your listeners will know that uh, there are some mosques that Absolutely fantastic, and there are some mosques that aren't particularly well run, and that's the same in all religious communities, right? But some mosques are absolutely terrible at outreach. You know, I haven't figured that out, and I still have a lot to learn. Um, so, so this is a way of connecting imams and mosques. Actually, we have mosques on the platform, so you can actually book services from a local mosque using our platform too. To reach out to a whole new audience, and now this audience, what are they concerned about? Well. A lot of people are concerned about quality. Well, how do you measure quality? Well, every single imam is rated you know, on our app and we, we make sure that there's a mandatory qualification verification check for everybody. So if you say you've studied somewhere, you better have the documentation to prove it. The second thing people are concerned about is safety, right? Like how do I know someone I'm dealing with you know, doesn't have a, a weird past, right? Um, or isn't capable of harming someone? Well, we also insist um, on uh, background checks Right, and police record checks on the country, and we ask for that information upfront. And of course, the third thing is standards and quality of service. We have a a code of conduct that both the user and the imam need to sign up to, and we are very, very strict on matters of of user conduct. If somebody, you know, if, if a service isn't delivered on time, you know, that doesn't work. Last but not least, every single user gets to rate the imam. So there's a rating system, people know who they're dealing with. So just like any other service, things are being uh, mitigated in that sense. So that's that attracts the users, right? Yeah. Of course, we did a lot of uh, advertising in the beginning. We sponsored the Maghrib Adhan for Ramadan on Islam Channel. We we had a lot of publicity on. We had a, a piece in BBC News. On most of the major Muslim media covered us. I think I think the um, podcast you're probably thinking about was Muslim Matters. Yeah. But um, you know, um, so I think a lot of you know, we, we got a lot of coverage, you know, we came under scrutiny, which is good, you know, because we have, we're have genuinely out here trying to provide a, a service. And I think that helped. And Alhamdulillah, our numbers of consistent theorism.
0: Alhamdulillah, I mean, well, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to grant you success on this journey and in barakah inshallah. And right now with uh, with Amin Connect and what you're doing, you're also still leading Unitas Communications, right? So you're doing you're still doing a lot, mashallah, and juggling a lot of different um, projects. What for you has been maybe the, the biggest strategy or maybe the, the best advice that you can give to someone else listening to this who would like to work on multiple projects as well, who wants to go and build a business, but maybe they also already have a career um, and they're not sure how to juggle everything. You're someone who actually is managing all of those things at once. How do you do it? What is your secret?
1: <laughs> well, look, I think uh, intentionality is very important. You know, you have to remember why you're doing it, right? So um, when I set up Unitas Communications, this idea of helping to communicate the Islamic world and Muslim communities and our stories to the wider public is what kept me going, right? Uh, it was a mission, right? And, you know, we had our ups and downs, and alhamdulillah, we just kept at it because we kept reminding ourselves why we're doing it. And and the other thing is that you've just got to, once you've set that intentionality, you just have to go for it. You just have. Do it right, And of course, everything I've done in, in the sense of, of the businesses that I've been involved in were businesses that really nobody had really tried to do before. Like I had a lot of naysayers, you know, in, in my comms firm. Nobody had tried to target, you know, the Islamic world in the way I had. People didn't think it was a market. You know, they they didn't believe that Muslims would pay for this. I didn't maybe believe Muslims would pay for this. And and often they didn't, but then they did, right? Um, But, you know, it's going to be, if you're trying to grow a business targeting religious communities, that's outside the traditional needs of, you know, halal food, and whatever. um, You know, you're going to have to be obviously creative, but trust your instincts and just go for it. Even with Imam Connect, like nobody had ever attempted anything like this before, you know, Uh, which was surprising for me. Um, And I saw that, um, you know, as something as a fundamentally as an opportunity to do good. Every single day, people are booking Quran lessons, marriage counseling, nikahs. And for me, the motivation to be part of that transaction, not from a monetary sense, but from a spiritual sense is what keeps me going.
0: Mm, That's beautiful, mashallah. I really love that. And I think that's ultimately what drives our Muslim entrepreneurs when they can keep in mind, the intention and the impact behind the business that they're building. And you very much employed an innovative strategy with Imam Connect. You've created something, as you mentioned, that hasn't been done before with your businesses. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, this is a challenge, right? What is innovative strategy anyway? And how do I innovate within my business? And how can I take something maybe that already exists and make it better? This is a challenge that many entrepreneurs face. And for you, you know creating an innovative business uh, such as imam connect mm. what were the biggest lessons learned along the way when it comes specifically to strategy was there something that stood out for you
1: on this journey mm. good question well i um first of all was very keen to have the right team and the right advisors mm. right so it, um, our uh, advisory council has you know the head of public policy at Global uh, at PayPal globally, right? The head of engineering at Deliveroo, the head of marketing for IKEA. You know, we have you know um, Muslim marriage counselors on there and venture capitalists on there. Those all Muslim, all passionate, and and all people that believed in what we're trying to do. So that was very helpful, although they didn't necessarily have experience individually or collectively. Uh, in what I was attempting to do, their traditional experience was very helpful. Secondly, the team that I built initially around myself included um, people with extremely good religious base and knowledge, right? So one of the guys I work with, um, I'm very fortunate to work with, you know, um, ran a business in Malaysia, you know, gave it up and then studied religion for like eight years you know um and then wanted to be do something entrepreneurial and helpful and i was so lucky that our paths crossed uh and when they did cross i he was my first hire right um and then i have now built you know hired a a good team based on talent not all of them are muslim right so ahead of our marketing is not muslim right but is an incredibly talented person who understands and drives the vision behind it so so first of all a good team right and that requires the ability to build trust with people, the ability, the ability to work with people. You know, these are all aspects of trying to, to pursue the prophetic example of being alamin, right? Mm. If you're good with people, people will be good with you, and they will work with you, and they will trust you, right? So that's a fundamental part of the strategy is building a good team. Then, of course, um, the important, the other important thing was to get feedback from users straight away. So we ran, we can, we, I'm obsessed with focus groups, right? So we ran user focus groups straight away, got a lot of feedback, refined our product. Then we ran um, uh, focus groups with service providers, got feedback. Um, I, I'm very fortunate to be good friends with another person who's a, a management consultant who, whose entire job, he wasn't involved in operations at all, has been up until now looking at strategy. Right, Fitting the strategy, getting the metrics and the data, figuring out what's working, what isn't working. So that was an important thing for me to do was to have somebody on the team from the beginning who was entirely just doing that. He was doing it part-time, but all he was doing is that. And I, and I talked to him every week or almost every other week to, to check in on that. So having somebody who's looking at strategy alongside you, um, having a good team, getting feedback from your users uh, and your service providers, that's how you build uh, an evolving strategy. I think that's really
0: the best answer that we could get for a question like this really, because ultimately what it does come down to is that to build anything great, you need to bring great minds together. Uh, It's very difficult to build something great on your own. And even when you think of, um, um, one of the great scientists, Isaac Newton, he says, I, whatever I have built was, thanks to standing on the shoulders of giants. Now, he said it in a bit of a different way, I don't remember word for word, but essentially what he meant by that was that he used the knowledge of previous great scientists and essentially just built on that, right? He was standing on the shoulders of giants. And so even when you think of the great innovators in history, all of them had mentors, all of them had advisors, people that they could turn to, people that they could, partners that they could consult, And so it really is very difficult for us to build something on our own. And I think within entrepreneurship, the uh, solopreneur culture is, is slightly glamorized, right? You know, building something on your own and relying on yourself. And while of course, initially it is important for you to be able to get started on your own. It is always also very important for you to start finding the right team and the right people that will help you elevate your business and really take the next level.
1: No, I, I completely agree with, with that. I completely agree with just I mean, yeah, there, you're right, the solopreneur thing is, and, and you know what, it's interesting, because often people uh, end up doing their own thing out of this desire to be independent of others. And I get that, right. But, but, that, but you know, one is never truly independent, right? Businesses are built on customers on relationships and suppliers, right. So the ability to actually work with other people is absolutely fundamental right um and if you're not able to do that in your you know in your regular life the chances are you probably won't be able to do that in any business that you uh start unless you really work on it of course people change but, yeah, yeah definitely
0: 100 percent. well for you brother Modesto, do you feel like you always had that you know, that strain of entrepreneurship, that DNA strand of entrepreneurship within you, and you just felt like you were always pulled to create your own thing, or was it, you know, a desire to create something that pulled you? I mean, I want to know, you know, in terms of your journey in your career, you've had a, an illustrious career, mashallah, and now you're gravitating towards building your own businesses. Is this something that came naturally to you or do you feel like it was a work in progress? I mean, what was that journey like for you gravitating towards entrepreneurship?
1: Hmm. Well, you know, I had been involved in uh, Muslim communities from a very young young age, right? So I uh, helped set up the first ever Ramadan radio in East London, where I was a presenter on it. I used to do community organizing a lot, you know, uh, trips and even protests and things like that, right? And actually, that activity is entrepreneurial, right? Because what you're doing is you're bringing different people together. You're not making money. It, but you're bringing groups of people together to do something different to stand out right and to uh you know bring your networks together and make a difference right so i guess in a way i was always entrepreneurial because i chose to do hard things right i chose to to serve the community at a time of rising islamophobia i chose to think about various things that can help and honestly as i began to do these things from a very young age and i and, uh, you know you know, I look at my life as you know, when I, as sort of a, a, a two phases, when I was an activist and, and what I have now. And when I look at that phase where I was an activist doing lots of different things, it involved taking lots of risks, it involved bringing communities together, but involved strong intentionality, right? Um, and the things that were always successful were the ones that had a clear, um, not just intentionality, but a clear purpose. And I like to think a good intention. Right, you know, but only Allah knows at the end of the day, right? But, um, but I think the thing is that um, that was always present in me from the time I was leading my Islamic society at school, you know. You know, when I say school, I mean like high school, right? You know, um, and then so organizing, bringing people together were key skill sets that I think I carried into my my business life. Now, in terms of whether I necessarily wanted to, well, I started life in the media, right? and um honestly i was fascinated in my original business by how agendas and narratives are formed right and i realized that it's normally a partnership between the media politics and the corporate world and it's not straightforward there's no one answer so i got interested in strategic communications i got interested in, in in lobbying and pr and i applied to a bunch of internships actually and got rejected by each one and i was like Damn, I'm going to
0: do my own. So here we are, 15 years later. Amazing, subhanallah, How life works and where it takes us, right? Um, so I want to ask you a question. What is a common myth about entrepreneurship that you, uh, you would like to debunk based on your experience and your journey so far?
1: Common myth about entrepreneurship? That you need loads of money to start. I think a lot of people are obsessed with you know, raising money, um, you know, or having, you know, a lot of money or having a safety net, you know, um, I think that's the thing that stops a lot of people, you know, I had no safety net when I started, like, I, it was, this was going to succeed, or it wasn't, right? And I think you need that hunger to keep you going, right? So, um, you know, you know, of course, whilst you should, no one should put their livelihood, you know, their, their lives at risk in the sense of food and things like that, but you don't need a massive comfort net, you know, a safety net or a massive pool of savings in the bank to get started on things. Often, you just need to do. Secondly, I need to give up everything else to do this. Well, that's not true, right? This is my fourth, fifth business that is consecutively running alongside other interests that I have. I I think it's perfectly possible for someone to be in a full-time job and to start something. You just start slow, right? So you don't need to do everything at once. Nothing needs to be perfect. I think people strive for perfection in business. Uh, of course, don't make silly mistakes. Certain things do need to be perfect, especially if it's a product that's going out. But at the same time, n- you know, n- never in your life is e- everything gonna line up. You know, you're not, It's not gonna happen. You know, Some people think, well, I need to get married first. Maybe I need to have kids. Oh no, now that I have kids, maybe I shouldn't do it until they're older and I have more savings. Like we're always looking for reasons not to do something, right? So I think that it's important to realize there's never a perfect time.
0: Mm-hmm. So true. So, so true. I I love that. mashallah. Really, really amazing advice here. And you know, it's because when you find, when you look for a reason not to get started, you will find it, right? You will, you will always, always find one. But the truth is there is never a perfect time, right? The perfect time is the time that you decide you want to do it and you make it into the perfect time, you know, despite the circumstances and whatever else is happening. Um, it is very rare for us in life at any point in time to say, you know what, I am in a perfect place to start a new business or to, you know, take up a new uh, career. You know, there, there will always be reasons not to, but those moments where we decide to move forward, despite the challenges or or the obstacles or what end up, you know, being those life defining moments where we look back and we, we just thank ourselves that we made the leap. We, we made that decision. We pushed forward. Alhamdulillah. So this is a, an interesting discussion that I'm loving right now, and I'm going to dive deeper into entrepreneur, entrepreneurship with you. What would you say is the most important skill to develop as an entrepreneur? If you know, there's an entrepreneur listening to this, you know, what should, what is the skill that they should really be working on um, so that they could hopefully increase their chances of success in business?
1: Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, I was going to say, I mean, there are certain obvious things, you know, learning how to write a credible business plan, you know, uh, understanding some basic math, right? Mm. You know, I mean, but you know, these are things you can pick up. I would say the ability to get on with people, like, really, because. All these things you can hire people or they can teach you if they like you, right? You know, if they trust you, right? All the skills you need, you can either hire or get mentors for or get helpful. And you know, to be honest with you, you know, with the high levels of education in the world today, you can reach a basic level of proficiency in almost anything, right? Um, but what I think is important is to learn to work with people and to share the credit, right? Because the thing is, it's amazing how much you can get done if you don't care who takes the credit, right? Do, do not, you know, successful entrepreneurship isn't necessarily about centering yourself in the middle of every story, right? It's about centering your team, it's about centering your product, it's about centering your customer and, and talking about the value. So all of this relies on your ability to build networks and get on with people, right? So, you know, people t- there's, you know building networks is a buzzword, right? I believe in building networks, but I believe more in building trust. You know, trust is the ability to be able to say to somebody that, hey, I need a bridging loan. Can you sort it out straight away? Hey, I need you to work throughout the night on this. Please do it. That's trust. You know, networks can be quite shallow. You know, they can be quite trans, you know, very immediately transactional. What you need to build is real trust that people can, can work with. Um, and that I think is the key to, to success.
0: I completely agree. And honestly, when I asked that question in my mind, I had the same thing and within the same lines, you know, communication and the ability to effectively communicate your ideas and the ability to inspire and motivate through communication and build trust through communication, right? You know, communicating with your team, communicating with potential partners, with your advisors, with mentors, and with each one of those people, the the communication that you will have is slightly different. And how do you... You know, tailor your communication based on who you're speaking to and the outcome that you'd like to receive from this conversation. And it really also ties into what we discussed previously, which is that if there's one thing that you really need for your business and to innovate within your business, it's to have the right team, right? And to conduct those focus groups and to conduct market research. And all of this requires effective communication.
1: Would you no, agree? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, no, absolutely right. Um, so yeah, I think you summarized that quite well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So I'm going to ask you one more, uh, before we dive into some audience Q and A, inshallah, we do have some, uh, some questions from the audience here that I'm, I'm excited to uh, bring up. But before we do, um, I do want to ask you, because one thing that does shine from what I've seen you uh, work on in terms of your projects with Imam Connect and, uh, also with Unitas communications is, your ability to get in touch with the right people, right? So even with the M Connect, you mentioned you had a, a panel of advisors that ranged from you know, senior, senior execs within PayPal and Ikea, uh, or with Unitas Communications working on projects uh, for the NFL, uh, United Nations, uh, Amnesty and Internationals. These are all amazing organizations. So there's clearly a skill here of getting in touch with the right people that I want to dive into. And I'm sure my listeners are curious as well. They're like, how did you do that? So, so can you, can you shed some light on that a little bit for us? Wow. Uh,
1: hard work. <laughs> Look, I think you're, um, often in life, your reputation precedes you. You want to be in a position where you are, of course there is networking, there's building trust, all of that is important, but fundamentally you want to be in a position where people recognize your work for its excellence and come to you right you know and alhamdulillah we worked harder than others our reputation grew people wanted to work with us and alhamdulillah we're in a position now where we're turning away work all the time because the, the, we're just so busy right and the, the business i'm in is obviously consulting and we can only grow as quickly as the team that we have you know because it's a human it's not a person we're not it's not about building products it's about having the right people to deliver the job and we have a fantastic team a very large team but ultimately um, you have to work hard and take pride in your work and and, and, and you know work on on excellence right um, and we were always we were able to, to solve really um, complex reputational crisis management issues for clients for which they forever remain grateful you know um, we were able to, to promote and, and fix certain things Um, that I think other people didn't bring that level of understanding to. So we developed a reputation for not only being good at what we do, but also being effective and easy to work with. And I like to think that's why the business has grown, and more and more people have uh, wanted to work with us over the years. And we've been, alhamdulillah, very, very lucky. As you say, we worked for the three largest intergovernmental bodies in the world, the United Nations, the OIC, the Arab League, the United Nations World Tourism Organization, and many, 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 many others. Um, and so, you know, one leads to the other and, you know, the first one's always difficult, right? I remember the very first one was always difficult. That's a story. Maybe I'll tell another day, but once we got the first one, the second one came more easily and then people see the passion and the work and it speaks for itself.
0: Mm, I love that. Mashallah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's a beautiful answer. Um, and I hope that whoever's listening to this is taking notes uh because it is a very important point that you're making And even for me uh with an entrepreneur one thing i've noticed is that you know the more that we continue to try to kind of raise the bar within the organization the more people are actually reaching out to us to try to you know offer their assistance on our mission which is always beautiful to see mashallah um so one question that i ask every single guest that comes on this podcast one of my favorites i'll ask it to you too is if you could go back and give your 18 year old self you know the young Um, with Dasar Ahmed, you know, just getting started in his career or his business ideas, you give him one piece of advice that he could hold on to almost like a mantra, right? That he he can remember throughout his journey. What would that one, you know, one piece of advice be, or would that one, um, you know, word or mantra be for you? Don't be afraid, Mm -hmm. keep going. Okay. Don't be afraid. And why, why, why did you pick that one specifically? Don't be afraid.
1: Because I think fear of failure is something that holds a lot of people back and sometimes holds me back too. Mm-hmm. you know, the idea that, you know, is this a good idea, you know, nobody's done it before. Is it going to work? You know, tr- tr- I'm afraid traditional investors won't invest in my product. You know, I'm afraid that traditional money people don't like it. You know, I, I went to people with the idea of Unitas communications to raise money initially, right? and they just didn't get it, and at that point, I could have easily given up. But they didn't get it because nobody had done it. You know, you got to understand that a lot of the people you talk to. If you're on, if you're a ummapreneur and trying to create something unique that uh, that requires, um, you know, some level of understanding the community, a lot of traditional investors won't get that. And not only will they won't get it, they won't care, right? So it's very important to not give up um, and to keep pursuing that.
0: Mm, I love that, mashallah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, brother. And on to some audience questions here. We got one that came in from, uh, from Facebook here that we're going to bring up. And also we got two on our YouTube uh, viewers. So let's bring up this one here. Um, how important is a background check and degree verification uh, for appointing an imam? So this is for, for your uh, platform, I think, this question on our YouTube channel. Uh, so, do you guys do background checks? Um, I know yeah, we touched yeah, on that Yeah, it's very
1: uh, important to us to do that, right? Um, okay. Because um, ultimately, um, people want to because it's something that's driven by consumer demand. Not obviously, not all consumers care about those things, right? Not mm-hmm. all um, people that require services care about those things, but we find that that's very important. Um, and of course, then we list the person's. Um, you know uh, qualifications and then it's up to the users to decide whether they want to work with someone with less qualifications or more qualifications or they're more interested in you know their rating or whatever but of course from a safety perspective it's very important so for instance anybody that works with children has to have the highest level of security clearance mm.
0: awesome so i love that so you so this is all all the service providers that are, that are on imam connect essentially have all been vetted so you know which is amazing mashallah so muslims can go on the platform and they know that these people these providers have been vetted it's not just they've created a profile and they're automatically up there um so definitely go and check that out um if you're listening to this episode make sure to go and check out imam connect one more question uh from our facebook audience So what would mudassad attribute the success of imam connect with so what would you credit for the success of imam connect at this point in time
1: look there's a I think that there are obviously a number of things: a great team, the right idea at the right time, launched during a pandemic, people couldn't access mosques, you know, a drive to 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 serve people. But, you know, um, I think that the other thing uh, that uh, was very important to the success of um, Imam Connect was was quite simply this idea that we had. you know, nobody had ever done anything like this before, and um, it's completely non-sectarian. So if it was ethnic-based or jamaat-based or sectarian, I think we might run into problems. But we have this vision for Ummah that is, you know, not sectarian, right? thats That doesn't divide people up into the type of Muslim they are, and most importantly, is not judgmental. You know, um, and because it's not judgmental, um, we attract people to it and and help them figure out questions related to their deen, you know, which is the way to do it.
0: I love that, mashallah. That's really, really beautiful that um, you guys adopt that, you know, that vision and and that value within your business. And I think it's so important for us to see more businesses adopting this at a time where we need more cohesiveness. Than division, right? We need to continue to remain together. We need to continue to stick together, at a time where you know there's so much division happening. There's always, you know, Subhanallah. We're we're all constantly being, um, you know. There's this kind of technique or the strategy in uh, in war or in conquering a land, right? That you divide and conquer, right? You divide and conquer, right? So you cannot conquer unified people, but you can conquer divided people. And I think, really, being unified as a Muslim ummah is one thing that we need to work on. Um, we got one more here. So I asked a similar question previously, but let's see if you uh, have a different answer for this one. If Muda had one piece of advice to someone just starting out, what would it be taking in regards to a faith-based service providing platform? So specifically, if someone wants to build a platform uh, similar to Imam Connect, faith-based, mm-hmm. what's one piece of advice
1: that you can provide? I would say uh, from the very outset, uh, make sure that you ha- are targeting uh, a broad audience. Yeah, mm. Don't narrow your audience on the basis of ethnicity, sect, anything else right very important to to live the values that you espouse you know Mm -hmm. i think and i think that's easier said than done because i recognize that so much of the quite often the religious energy comes from uh you know being part of a jamaat or something i get it right but and but it's important to step outside of that and be inclusive as well Mm -hmm.
0: yeah definitely definitely well i really like that piece of advice mashallah and we're going to take one last one um, from the audience. So knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have done differently when you were first starting out?
1: Is there anything you would have done differently? Um, maybe I would have been kinder to myself. I would have looked after my health more, <laughs> you know, being more patient, you know, um, you know, I think that I uh, push myself quite hard um, and, you know, I think the one piece of advice I have is that, you know, always remember that to, to, to keep your health, I'm fine, alhamdulillah, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's important to check in about your health and, and um, you know, regularly work out and do things like that because this journey can be quite stressful yeah. um, and that's the one way to really stay on top of it. Yeah.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, just for sharing that, and for sharing so many beautiful golden nuggets of advice on this podcast. This has been an incredible episode filled with value and honestly, one that I hope people who are listening have at least, you know, taken some notes or, you know, they have kind of memorized a few of the points that you made here because there are so many valuable nuggets that you can take away to help you better succeed in entrepreneurship or even just help implement in your life to have a better life and more more successful more fulfilling life inshallah or career so um if someone wants to connect with you if someone wants to just continue following you continue you know listening to uh you share more information where should they go where can we lead them
1: yeah i mean they can follow me on twitter mm-hmm. uh i'm quite active on, on twitter um they can what's uh, the
0: uh, what's the link for that just so we let them know um
1: can i type it here or
0: um yeah well no. I'll, ty- I'll, I'll type it out is it so is it the imam connect twitter or do you also No, no twitter? so uh, uh, Ahmed, at right. Ahmed. okay beautiful so we're going to share that link in the show notes guys so just make sure to check it out there um and we'll also put it up here on the screen so, so if you guys double
1: double s a r there you go Double <laughs> perfect.
0: double D. Okay. So that's not the right, that's not the right one. Apologies. So you know what, we're going to get, we're going to get that one from you and we're going to drop it in the show notes guys. So go ahead and follow him on, um, Twitter. There you go. We got the right account. Sorry guys. And if you are watching the video, here's the right link. So M with Ahmed, double D double S okay. Twitter.com slash M with Ahmed. And also if you want to follow Imam connect, check them out on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter as well. And obviously go on the website, right? So go on Imam, Connect and uh really go and look at all the services that are provided. Mm, uh there are so many services, whether it's from Nikah, whether it's from marriage counseling. I mean, what are the most common services that you uh you've seen requested on the platform, Brother Midasa? Marriage counseling. Marriage <laughs> counseling. Marriage
1: counseling followed by Quran lessons.
0: Awesome. Amazing. So you'll find pretty much Everything from marriage counseling to Quran lessons on ImamConnect.com. So go ahead and check that out, guys. ImamConnect.com, a place where you can get services from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to leave. You don't have to walk outside um, in the cold, especially here in Canada. It's winter right now. I don't want to be outside in the snow. So I'm going to go ahead and check that out as well. JazakAllah Khair, brother. And is this worldwide? Can people benefit from this all across yeah, the world, absolutely. or is it offered? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Okay.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So worldwide. So no excuse not to check it out, guys. JazakAllah Khair, brother. It was an absolute pleasure. An absolute honor honored to have you on. Is there anything that you want to leave, you know, leave us with? Just one last thing you want to share with our, well, with our look, listeners. It's been, a,
1: it's been a pleasure to be here. Um, I want to thank you for the wonderful job you're doing. This is such a great idea. Um, I've really enjoyed this discussion and this conversation. And I hope to stay in touch with you and, and, and learn more about your work in due course as well. Uh, and if anybody needs any uh, advice or help or support from me, please, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you so much for joining us, brother, on this podcast. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure. And guys, you know the drill for the Immortal Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go ahead and subscribe and rate this podcast, share with us your reviews, share with us how you feel about it. And of course you can follow Omarpreneur on your favorite social platform. So go ahead and follow Imam Connect and follow Omarpreneur as well if you haven't already. And if you'd like help with starting your own business and you need some private coaching or some private consulting, uh, go ahead and book a call with us for free. You can book a call at omarpreneurcom slash call. We'll drop the link in the show notes as well. So omarpreneurcom slash call where you can speak to my team and we'll actually have a conversation with you. To understand if we can help you achieve your business goals, inshallah. Until then, we'll see you next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi